Welcome to Knives Out Minute. I am your host, Brian Lynch, and my guest for this week is Michael. We are at minute number nine. Yes, yes, okay. Yes, tricked correct. My, tricked <laughs> myself up again, because I was just about to say eight. I'm like, no, 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 from eight minutes to eight minutes and 59 seconds. Uh, and that is makes it minute number nine against all uh, this. I'm a language arts and drama teacher. I'm not a math teacher. <laughs> These mysterious. I can't confirm. Your math is solid. It is the ninth minute. Arcane symbols that transform when you put them next to each other. Mysterious. The world of math is a closed book to me, so to speak. Oh, we we do meet Walt in this scene, which is good. I was wondering if we were talking too much about him, and he might not get into our five minutes. Yeah. So I did make a mistake. I think in one of the last episodes I had mentioned that everybody's name shows up in the target center of the knife motif. I realized here with Walt's scene, that is incorrect. Uh, no, that um, is correct. You, the person listening, just got an alternate cut of the movie. Aren't you happy? <laughs> I can't live that kind of lie. Not for the rest <laughs> of my life, please. <laughs> It's not worth it, but thank you so much for trying to save my face. That's uh, all good. Um, well, on we the other hand, in... uh, this does further the answer to our question of who gets their name on screen, because Walt certainly does. So Yeah. So then we're we're finally given names to his son, Jacob, played mm-hmm. by actor or well no, we don't No, we, we no. no, I don't think he was he was specifically mentioned. Yeah, it's uh, just Donna. Do, yeah, we do get Donna, who's uh, as we mentioned, played by Ricky Lindholm, who is hilarious and literally uh, her sole function of this particular clip is to freak out and spill her wine because somebody makes a loud noise next to her <laughs> she, the wine like jumps up from her glass like you can almost see it still in the shape of the glass before it like exit onto the floor she's and again we'll we'll talk about her uh, her character and you know what uh, what became of her um on tomorrow's episode uh, but she does make very good use of what she's given here because she is playing like the most brittle, fragile, high strung, like waspy person you could possibly imagine. It's literally any noise would have made her jump like yep. that. <laughs> Walt himself is played by Michael Shannon, a noted uh, psychopath actor. <laughs> So I haven't seen very much of Michael Shannon's work before this. What has he? What has he appeared in? Um, well, he's he's a famous villain actor. I would say probably once again to get into uh, superhero movies. <laughs> um, his biggest, uh, you know, most prominent was uh, General Zod in uh, Man oh! of Steel. Yeah. <laughs> um, say no more. But uh, no, he's he's been uh, nominated for best supporting actor twice for Nocturnal Animals and something. Thing, yeah, maybe only once. Uh, hold on, let me get his thing. Oh, no, twice. Uh, Revolutionary Road. That was the other one I forgot. But yeah, no, he's yeah. good at playing people who are just, like, pretty goddamn creepy. He was in Bug, uh, which is a really good movie. He played a guy who thinks he has bugs under his skin. 
Um, I was going to say, because in this role, it feels very much like it, he doesn't really do anything, mm-hmm. but he's so creepy. Yeah, like, he's, he's, there's exactly. something wrong about him. Well, there, there's a scene later on in the film that takes place in a sort of like poorly lit hallway and... and... You know, no no spoilers, again, for the, the weirdo who's listening to this that way. Um, <laughs> but he, he does have a cane, cane yeah. and, like, a dead-eyed thousand-yard stare. That's also, by the way, something from the deleted scenes, is why he has a cane. He's got he's got a walking uh, cast on. He's got a boot. Um, and uh, we, which you hardly ever see. So, you know, if you don't look at it for it in the wide shots, it looks like the cane is just something he happens to have. It's really just, like, a prop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and he uses it so well. He twirls it back and forth in his hands, and he's uh, he's definitely the fidgety guy. Because right away he says like, "Oh, you run your father's publishing company, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's my uh, it's it's out. It's the family's publishing company." Because he's yeah. insecure about you know. And he doesn't even, he still doesn't even give himself credit because, like, he, he's just like, Dad trusts me to run it. He doesn't mm-hmm. say, I, he doesn't say, like, his sister, like, I did it from the ground up or I do a great job or I'm an achiever like my father. Mm-hmm. His mention is, like, he trusts me to run it. Doesn't mean I am doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. I would never imply that with language. Uh, yes, uh, I will tell you this, as far as, like, we don't get much as far as um, motives, and obviously these are the scenes where they're just quickly introducing people, but right away, again, if we're talking about what the, um, you know, the mystery fans in the audience are getting excited by, as soon as they hear a business relationship with the deceased. <laughs> There's one right there. I'm sorry, are you trying to imply that when you mix family and business, it does normally, does it normally not go super well? Oh, sometimes it can be murder, <laughs> but sometimes it can be to die for. You know, that's what I'll say about this movie. I'm holding, up a, I'm holding up a glass laughing. as I'm saying this as if the audience can see it. Yes, I mean, I think we can all agree, before we start recording, every mm-hmm. time you and I, we both get our smoking jackets on oh, and yes. a little snifter full of rum <laughs> that is very, very expensive. And tastes just like $5 rum. I am drinking uh, powdered apple cider out of a thermos mug. (laughs) The least murder mystery thing I could possibly be drinking, I think. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Create like a sound. Create like a sound environment, you know? (laughs) Why was that the sound that came to mind? It was like a foghorn. It was a a foghorn. There you go. (laughs) It's because uh, there's so much knitwear in this movie. <laughs> it feels like we're on the open sea, on the, off the coast of Maine, where n- murders notoriously happen <laughs> all the time. I think there was at least one in the lighthouse, but I haven't seen that movie. So, um, the only thing I know about that movie is that somebody is fond of somebody's lobster. Um, Trooper Wagner is revealed at this point to be a huge fan of Harlan Thrombey. <laughs> I want to talk about this shot just very, very quickly, because I I know we've been over the cinematography, but this is Mm -hmm. one of the first shots shots where we see Ben Wall in total, like his entire body. He's still kind of blurred out, but he is mirroring the exact same position that Lieutenant Elliot is in, being Mm -hmm. the straight man in the foreground, who's like not out of focus. Well, they both have just like the most opposing 
like Benoit is smiling. He is so delighted by mm. Wagner's like fanboyishness. And then Lieutenant Elliot, who has probably had to hear this nonstop as a coworker, is just sitting there as like, please just, please just hurry up past the murder mysteries. Another I very haven't... minor uh, Trooper Wagner thing I like is that he um he hasn't tucked the back part of his tie into the little loop. <laughs> So the back part of his tie is, like, showing behind the front part of his tie. I don't know if those have technical names, if there's a big tie enthusiast listening who are yelling at me for not knowing the terminology. But um, <laughs> Yeah, it's the skinny part is the, the skinny part, yeah. the big part. Yeah. Um, where, you know, most there's, they give you a little loop to tuck it into. Or if you're um, certain prominent politicians I could name, you use a piece of scotch tape. Um <laughs> <laughs> or if you're really if you really got money to spend, you use a little fancy little tie clip. Oh, a little tie clip or one of them uh, one of them pins. Get a tie pin in there. Uh, <laughs> you know, but if you you're Trooper Wagner, you just show up pin. like a uh, like you know a, a sixth grade boy going to church. <laughs> He's getting ready for his first communion. Like <laughs> Trooper well, Wagner's. Uh, I, I will say we'll get to our, our our question of the day, which is about the uh, the work of Ryan Johnson in general. Uh, Trooper Wagner uh, uh, Noah Sagan, who plays him. Um, is in every single Ryan Johnson movie. So he is also Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> yes. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is very briefly in this movie at the end uh, on the radio. So. <laughs> I love when I really... And but no, uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt didn't get into uh, The Brothers Bloom. I don't think he was in he, that one. He was. No, he oh, was, was he? in Brothers Bloom. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll okay, to yeah, that. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, no, this is, this is definitely like... He is stripped. There's like pictures of like Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig and Noah Sagan going to a Billy Joel concert together. And I'm like, what <laughs> that must have been like. Wow, what a weird situation for everybody involved there, mm -hmm. including other people at that concert and Billy Joel. Right? <laughs> but it's just like they are, you know, they are longtime friends. And it's just he has always got a part. Of it. And this thing, he's always good. And these are not like similar parts he plays in these movies, too. Like, just like moon-faced idiot that Trooper Wagner is, is not remotely similar to the parts he plays in the other films. Um, in uh, Star Wars, uh, I know that he's he's in it very briefly. He's just one of the X-Wing pilots. And uh, I think, again, I think it was Disney saying, like, no, you cast who we say. He was like, eh, putting my friend in anyway. I, 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 I like... I really like it when directors have actors like this. Like, Rain, uh, Ryan Johnson's one of my favorite people mm -hmm. who does this, but also, um, and I'm blanking on his name entirely, but whoever did the first Star Trek remake, he always has uh, Greg oh, uh, Grunberg. Uh, Abrams, J.J. Abrams, yeah. Yeah, J.J. Mm -hmm. Greg Grunberg's just always there, just in the background, and it's so funny. Like, it's a little Easter egg. Like, oh, find Greg Grunberg in this J.J. Abrams <laughs> show. <laughs> right? It's fun. Yeah, because he, uh, and he shows up in... Um... Uh, was he, he was the voice of Kirk's stepfather in uh, the the two thousand nine, and yes. then in Beyond he was the uh, the Federation uh, mission control guy. Yeah, and then whatever one I think didn't J.J. Abrams did a Star Wars film? Star Wars film, yes. Uh, and... He did. He did two. One of which was pretty good, and one of which uh, less said about <laughs> it the better. <laughs> did everybody get two? Because Ryan Johnson did, no, did jo two as well. No, no, right? jo Johnson only got one, but they are. Um, uh, he's he's got a few other ideas in development. Um, apparently, a possible trilogy. Um, I he says it's still in development. I don't see him as the kind of guy that wants to be tied down to a trilogy. Um, but, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, but I mean, well, I honestly think like he's not necessarily like. I think we might get something else before we get Knives Out too. 
because um, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think he's not somebody who wants to just stick with um, like like a franchise as such. Well, yeah, I mean, so many of his ideas are so different from the ones before. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like I can't. I, I it would be really hard for me to pick two movies of his that feel very similar, <laughs> because you know, by design, he he's one of those guys who doesn't really have like. Um, he always wants to try something new. He wants yeah, to try exactly. an idea, which I think is very rare in Hollywood, certainly these days in the age of nostalgia mm-hmm. and, like, trying to make franchises work more than, like, inventing new things, which is, I think, one of the reasons Knives Out did so well. Like, hey, we hadn't seen this at least in a very long time, if not before. And now what's happening? Well, people want a sequel. And, again, as we discussed yesterday, we also want a sequel. Don't get us wrong. Oh, absolutely! I want a sequel. <laughs> if only he would return my calls. <laughs> um, we get a couple plot point notes here, which again, just like setting the scene of like, uh, uh, Walt says, "Oh, we got there around eight, so um, oh, actually, everybody's I, there." I do want to mention this because now it's no longer a spoiler. When Benoit reaches out and he hits the piano key again, this time it's to stop Trooper Wagner from talking about um, uh, fanboying out over the movies, or the the books, rather. Um, <laughs> actually, very specifically, no movies, as we find out later, but that's uh, that's going to be a possible motive coming up. Um, but he's, like, talking about, like, oh my god, like, the cat and the shotgun has to come up with it. And then Benoit hits the piano key again, and then Elliot asks what time he got to the party. So every time Benoit hits the piano key... Elliot asks what time the people arrived. That's the, <laughs> I did not. I did not notice that. I that's love that's that. it's they clearly set it up ahead of time. Like this is the only question I want, and I will signal you when it's time, and I will signal you in the most annoying and distracting way possible because that's who I am. <laughs> Do you know who my wife is? <laughs> Y'all know who my wife is. <laughs> him to do i want him to do like a whole draco malfoy like my wife will be hearing about this i um uh i did not mention this uh yesterday when we were talking about uh potential sequels but uh johnson did say that he has that he considered having daniel craig do a different stupid accent in every single one (laughs) like he's just gonna (laughs) he's just gonna be german in the next one with no explanation And look, I can't say too much about, um, because it's very difficult to do an accent. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Daniel Craig is a very highly trained actor who's Mm -hmm. very good at, like, switching between accents. But I would have loved if they had started with one he was really good at and then just got to what, like, at the end, he's doing some sort of, like, Alexander Skarsgård accent that none of us can discern. (laughs) Like, by the end of it, like, why is he Swiss now? I don't understand. Well, this thing is that a lot of people were, like, um, the, like they listen to Daniel Craig in this movie, and they're like, "That's like a bad accent." And the thing is, it's actually it's very good. It's just very distinctive. Um, he's he's doing an impression of Shelby Foot, um, which is <laughs> it's such a weird choice. I think he he saw him in like a um like a like a documentary or something. Um, but you know, he's a a, a, a noted historian, um, who uh, a Civil War historian specifically. And he he actually talks like this, um, and he's um, well. Let's let's. I, I, I will say this about Shelby Foot. Um, he is a. Uh, if you if you're thinking, I wonder what a person with that sort of accent writes about the Civil War. <laughs> well, it's not great. 
<laughs> yeah, it's not it's not as bad as it could be, but he certainly uh, has uh, sympathies in uh, certain uh, directions. <clears throat> certainly not the papers you want to read that were written during yes. the Civil War. <laughs> I mean, he's he's also been dead for fifteen years, so. I mean, Good. at least at least he'll never get any worse. I guess I'm saying. <laughs> the point is, he has a rather hilarious accent, which uh, you know, uh, that's that's what Daniel Craig is doing in this movie. So I love it. I do love it though, and mm-hmm. I and it's hard for me to say like, oh, he's doing a good job or a bad job because honestly, the accent he's doing is something that kind of only exists like in media and yeah. television now. Like, I don't know, Rebecca. I'm from South Texas. Um, my father has a Texas accent. He's in mm-hmm. his 80s. Anybody under the age of 60 in Texas does not have this accent. The Southern accent just kind of, I mean, you'll find it in little pockets, like in the boonies, you know, mm-hmm. out where there's very little civilization. But for the most part, like, everybody talks with a Midwest accent in Texas because we're all raised by television. Yeah, that's, and, that's like, sort of standardized a lot of uh, language. Yeah, I mean, when I started, like, going to other states, people would be like, oh, you're from Texas? Where's your accent? I'm like, that doesn't exist. It's a myth. Like, it's not real. (laughs) It was real at one time, but it's really fading out in this way that it's, like, it's just sort of like a television thing. Not to to go to drama teacher, to Henry Higgins, I suppose. Henry Higgins. Um, like I, I can hear Texas influences in your voice, but you know you're absolutely like you don't. I would not say you have an accent. You are absolutely correct about that. Um, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm from New Jersey, which is like a, as close as it's possible to get to like the quote unquote generic American accent. You can only tell when we say water. Um, <laughs> yeah, there are those little words that give me away. Like mm-hmm. certainly, um, pleases and thank yous. I have been told. I have not noted this myself, but I have been told by friends. Like, yeah, whenever you use manners, you get there's an accent. There's like a distinct accent, and the way you say sorry doesn't make any sense when you're apologizing. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're southern up a bunt. I do no, declare. Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I did not mean to ram my car into the back of your car. Or whatever I'm apologizing for. Oh, and then, of course, over here in New Jersey, that would be, Watch where you're driving! <laughs> Forget about it. We all drive like lunatics here. It's fine. Um, did, I don't know if we you know all this, drive but... like lunatics in Texas too. Only the difference is we all also have guns. This, this is actually a true thing. I don't know if you know this. When you when you enter Brooklyn, it, there's literally, a, or when you leave Brooklyn, I, I forget what the entering one says, but it says you uh, you are now leaving Brooklyn. Forget about it. it it's <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally on an official, you know, road sign. Um, uh, so yeah, that's that's. It's, an actual honest to gosh road sign because it's one of the like slogans of the borough so <laughs> spelled as you would imagine i think if i were going to put a sign in front of an area you can say anything you want with those signs by the way mm-hmm. i what are it like i think i would just say like hi welcome to anywheresville usa what are you going to go somewhere else do it you won't that's what you see when you drive into uh, any. You, uh, I did search the Welcome to Brooklyn sign says how sweet it is, which that's weird. Ah, <laughs> I like forget about it a lot more. <laughs> yeah, leaving Brooklyn, forget about it. F U H G E D D A B O U D I T. Are there any plot points we forgot? Not really. This is uh, you know, There's this is this is Meat Walt the minute. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, which I guess means let's get into the um, the question, which sure. is, uh, what do you think about uh, Ryan in general? We talked a little bit about his uh, his <laughs> earlier stuff. Well, so first fun fact um, mm-hmm. is that I have actually only ever seen his name written. And until this morning, when I was talking to a friend about how I'm recording this podcast, I was informed mm-hmm. that his name is actually not Rain Johnson. Oh, yes, it is. I have been calling him that for multiple years. <laughs> I'm glad I found out before we started recording together. Uh, I'll tell you this, when it comes to uh, Noah Sagan, I just followed your lead on that one because I thought I was getting it wrong. I think it might be Sagan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this happens to me all the time. <laughs> I was like, oh, she must know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens. You can, I also think you can point, like, my co-host points it out sometimes, too. Um, but for the most part, it's just like, yeah, I know what that word is. <laughs> sure. <Just bars laughs> I'm not going to say it out loud confidence. for you. <laughs> Um, but what do you think of his uh, film? Well, let me ask you this: What do you uh, have you ha- what of his films have you seen, and what, have you seen all five? Or uh... oh, well, so I've seen quite a few. Um, I mm-hmm. guess the first, I think the first one I saw is the first one most people see, which is Brick, starring uh, again uh, Totem John mm-hmm. Joseph Gordon Lovett of Ryan Johnson's career. So Brick was probably the first one I saw, which. Oh, I'm such a big noir fan, so I love everything about Brick. Brick is such a wonderfully like. Incredible movie. What a great way to start. My favorite, though, if I had to pick a Ryan mm-hmm. Johnson favorite, outside of Knives Out. Obviously. Yeah, I got It's so basic, but this, it really is the best one. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, but that's okay, because he's like, you can see where he's grown as an artist. If you mm-hmm. like look at something like Brick, which is essentially on paper very similar, right? You have a mm-hmm. murder mystery. You have suspects. You got to solve the murder by the end. <laughs> and um, you got a fun hook. Yeah, but what two totally different like ends of the emotional spectrum these two movies are but my favorite outside Rick is not fun (laughs) I actually quite love Brothers Bloom I I, I, yes it's so good it's a very good movie because it's like okay it's a heist film and it's like a weird in in the way all Ryan Johnson movies kind of have like this weird existing in this kind of timeline where you're not really sure if it's modern or if it's supposed to be taking place back in the past because the elements are mixed enough you can't really, like, say one or the other for sure. Um, but starring Rachel Weisz in Brothers Bloom. Yes. Um, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> so, Je- yes. so Joseph Gordon-Levitt is actually in that. There's a scene in the first few minutes where they're panning across the bar. Mm-hmm. And um, if you pause, if you have a special Joseph Gordon-Levitt sense, um, <laughs> like I do, you know when to pause at the exact second that you can see his face as a background patron in, like, that panning shot. Um, there he is. You can't make a movie without him. And I don't think you should risk it, honestly, at this stage. <laughs> nice. What about you? What's your Ryan, Ray, not Rain, but not Ryan Rain. Johnson? <laughs> um, I, I've, well, I've seen all of them. I uh, actually own all five on uh, Blu-ray because, um, you know, I figure uh, if there's a uh, an opportunity to have um, a, a filmmaker's entire filmography, I might as well start with one where I like all of his movies. And also there's only five of them. So yeah. <laughs> it'll be easy to keep up with. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I think I would agree with you. I think Brothers Bloom is, um, it, I, it's, it's so hard to choose because they each deliver such different things. And the Brothers Bloom is this like weird, like it's, it's practically a fairy tale in its construction. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that before, yeah. but you're very right, especially in the way that like each of the characters are kind of um well, each of the characters exist in their own archetypes of like a fairy tale. Like, oh, a fairy tale princess. Yeah. Rachel Weiss, she's alone in this tower she's, yeah, collecting locked hobbies. In, locked in her tower and you know, the the crazy trickster con artists show up and <laughs> it's it's great. And even like that the the opening narration is done by a magician. <laughs> like <laughs> That's such a brilliant like like choice. Like he like he's he's literally saying like this movie's a magic trick. I'm gonna trick you, I'm gonna misdirect you, and he's he's calling his shots right from the beginning. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have Ricky J tell you their life story because Ricky J knows how to set up a magic trick. So yeah. And and Brick I also genuinely love. Uh it's um you know people who try to do noir pastiche, it very often doesn't work. Correct. Um, but that's one that does it well. That and, uh, Strange Days with, uh, Ray Fiennes, um, are, like, the, <laughs> the two I've seen where, like, they actually managed to hit all of the beats of a noir movie while still staying in their genre, which is high school and science fiction, respectively, um, <laughs> without, like, turning into, like, a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, like, hey, look at what we're doing. Unlike, what? for example, Barbed Wire, which does not pull that off at all, you know. <laughs> Well, and then Brick also just taking, like, the noir sort of motif to another level of, like, what's very specific about noir movies that you don't really think about. Well, like, Mm -hmm. the language, the way that people talk to each other in a noir movie is nowhere, like, people have not spoken to each other outside of that context that way. Yeah. And for a movie that doesn't actually, as far as I recall, use any real terms that people used to use in noir movie, it creates its own language. And Mm -hmm. that... And not only does the plot completely revolve around the fact that you, the viewer, can only pick up what this language means through context clues throughout the movie, but just, like, to be able to also be... Also, you're creating, like, slang that is very... You know, it's very easy. Okay, he's talking about bulls. He means cops. Nobody uses that term here in my world that I know of, but in this world, if somebody says bull, they're talking about a cop. All right, what does brick mean? You don't know until the last... I mean, I, I personally read a lot of hobo fiction, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, that's uh, Bulls' Great Depression hobo slang for police. That's where he got that from. <laughs> well, I guess I gave him too much credit, but. Like, oh, no, no, but no, you're, you're, no, you, you, you were still absolutely correct, like, you know, in, in your context, which is that he's, he's using this term that absolutely nobody uses, and it's not a term that, like, I don't. See, the thing is, I was in Newsies. So and they they do pull out. I have I have so many questions for you, and we don't have time, unfortunately. Uh, I will on. I will I will answer the main one you have. Um, I was on uh, one of the uh, supporting adult tracks. Uh, I played uh, the barber um, uh, Nunzio, uh, where I got to do a comedy <laughs> Italian accent. I played a police officer with an Irish accent. Uh, I played the doorman at the New York World, and I played a Governor Theodore Roosevelt. So. <laughs> But they they do pull out bulls in there also, so, like, I had that. But it's not even, like, a 20s term. It's, like, an 1800s term that sort of stuck around until the 30s in this one particular subculture of street people. <laughs> so it, it's not like he's pulling out, like, if he was if he was doing noir the way I say that people do noir as bad parody, he would be doing the fuzz or, you know, whatever. <laughs> fuzz. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, just because uh, we haven't mentioned them yet, uh, Looper, very solid science fiction uh, time travel story. One of the only stories with time travel that makes sense, because as soon as Joseph Gordon-Levitt tries to ask questions about it, uh, Bruce Willis tells him to shut up and stop thinking about it. <laughs> I, I always kind of give that... Mm-hmm. Not always, but there will be times where I watch a time travel movie, and if that line is in there, I'll be like, okay, you get a pass. Yeah. Because you mentioned that, like, yeah, this is going to be really difficult. If you want to have a good time, you're not. You're just going to have to not ask questions. And, you know, you, you, get, that, you get that scene where, you know, uh, spoilers for Looper, I guess, where the dude is trying to get to the place in order to save his past self, but they're cutting off the body parts of his past self, so, like, his feet and fingers are disappearing as he's walking to the door. And, like, yeah, it doesn't make sense if you think about it. Because that person who is about to die will never get to the future to travel back in time, but still. So I... This might be the time to tell you I have not seen Looper. I am familiar with, of course, what the concept is. I will say... What a great casting choice to put Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis as acting the same character at different places in time. That was just like, they wow, I, I believe this. They look yeah. so much alike. Levitt tells it, and then they put they, they give him like makeup to give him Bruce Willis lips and nose, um, but everything <laughs> else they let it go by the acting. Um, there is, I will say, one absolutely hilarious segue when um, it, they're, they're showing his life progressing and they show him aging. And there is a period of time in between where he was Bruce Willis wearing a rather ridiculous Joseph Gordon-Levitt wig. <laughs> I'm picturing, like, those Animorphs covers. Like, just the middle of that is what... <laughs> there you go. It's, it's, it is a good cast, because you look at those two initially and you think, like, I guess maybe. But then with, like, the subtle makeup they do, it's there. But, yeah, the um, that, that segue between the two is... Uh, it's, it's rough. It's pretty rough. It's no, one, no wonder he it. went bald. <laughs> Um, and it's it's a balding version of the Joseph Gordon-Levitt wig also, which makes it even worse. He's got like a receding hairline. Oh. Alright, well, that's going to be it for this one. We've been, uh, you know, running a little longer than normal, but that's fine. That's the vibe. Um, so thank you ever so much. Uh, please do plug yourself yet again. Oh, yes. So I'm Michael. You can find me on Twitter at Madam underscore Michael. And every Tuesdays, I do a podcast with my co-host called the K-Bay Podcast. That's K-B-A-E Podcast. Uh, you can find us on most listening podcatcher apps, as we say in the biz. <laughs> um, you can find us at K-B-A-E Podcast. We uh, watch Korean dramas and then we talk about them. And, of course, hit us up at Knives Out Minute on Twitter. Please do rate, review, and subscribe on your uh, podcatcher of choice, as we say in the business. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's that. I'll, uh, I'll see you tomorrow for our final ride on this pony, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the last rodeo. For the last rodeo. For taking, taking this mystery horse out for its final dressage. <laughs> Finding great metaphors here. Sorry, uh, I was just going to say, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that one works. <laughs>